0: Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, I'm excited for this time of year. It's cooling down just a little bit. This means you get to break out your full array of sweaters, Bill. I'm, I'm really looking forward to
1: this. Oh, yeah, my Mr. Rogers look. I... <laughs> Good morning, Jason. Hope you're doing well. I'm great, Bill. How about yourself? It, uh, uh, it is pretty amazing that here we are in the first weekend in October, and it feels like uh, we just finished summer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Weird transition, but, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, fall is here. It's time to head up to the mountains and and uh, see the change of uh, colors and and the like. And and so here we go. But yeah, uh, it it just uh, I I guess we we had a very pleasant uh, um, elongated summer, um, which. I, frankly, I've enjoyed very much. Um, I just hope that our autumn is just as elongated. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I This agree. is a nice time of year. I think all of us love this time of year. I certainly do. Um, and uh, it's important. Well, I, actually, there there is one thing I, I want to get folks to um, appreciate this this weekend, and that is is that they need to think about coming to my seminar next week we have our uh, monthly seminars and they are as you know Jason they're they're free uh, and they're uh, education packed seminars uh, and there's an awful lot of Need to know information, particularly for seniors uh, and others as well. You know, there are an awful lot of folks that worry about their parents that need to. Sometimes it's that generation that actually needs to come to the seminar to figure out uh, some of the options that are available. Uh, But as you know, we have three seminars one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening. And just like we've done for the last couple months, because there's been a real outpouring of, of uh, need, we are using the afternoon seminar to devote it, uh, devote that seminar to uh, talk about trusts and how trusts work to people's advantage and how asset protection works. Not, not all trusts give you asset protection, but people need t- uh, to know about trusts, how they work, and what they can do for you, particularly when it comes to protecting yourself, protecting your spouse, and protecting your children and grandchildren. And so there's an awful lot of things that you can do with a trust that you can't do with any other kind of planning. So that 2 o'clock seminar is one that, uh, that I really enjoy, uh, and it's a little different. Of course, the morning and evening will be devoted to our long-term care seminar and people out there may be thinking well you know do I really need to go to that one and the fact is that may be the more important of the seminars particularly for seniors uh, or families uh, you know again the next generation who's trying to figure out the options that their parents might use but uh, it's particularly important Uh, for those seniors who do not have long-term care insurance and they're worried about their financial wherewithal in the event that uh, either um, they themselves or their spouse uh, may need assistance that cannot, in other words, where it, it can't be kept within the family. In other words, you need more support than that. Uh, because the rules are pretty complex. And the more you know, the better. But what I have found through the years, and I've been doing this for a long time, a lot of folks call me the old rat in the barn. (laughs) But uh, the fact is that uh, when it comes to financial assistance, when you need long-term care, The rules are complex, and most people have no understanding of how these rules work. And to the degree that anybody tells them a little something, they normally get it wrong. You know, when we talk about Medicaid, which is the most important financial assistance program for people... There are so many lies, so many misconceptions about how that program works, uh, that people need to come to the seminar to understand that it's completely different than what they think it is. <laughs> and, and and I know I've been preaching this for well, many many years, but the fact is, is it doesn't sink in. Uh, you know, I've, I'm a frustrated teacher because I keep talking about it, but the students aren't listening. You know, they don't get it. Instead, they listen to somebody who doesn't have a clue what they're talking about uh, as it relates to these these programs. And so this is a learning opportunity for folks to really understand how these uh, programs work. And so uh, I, I want to uh, talk to folks about... Uh, how, how these lies and half-lies or half-truths or whatever you want to call them uh, get out in, into the public. And, and the fact is is that most people think that the half-truths or the half-lies are the way it is rather than the way it isn't. And so, um, yeah, you, you know, the big one, the big lie, if you really get down to it, is that if you have to go to a nursing home – uh yeah and you need medicaid then you have to get rid of everything that's the biggest lie out there that you have to be poor you have to basically uh have spent all your money and then you can apply that's the worst mistake any family can make when it comes to medicaid what a lot of folks don't realize is that when it comes to long-term care Medicaid, particularly if you need nursing facility care, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. It's, it's not what anybody wants, but sometimes there's just no other option for a family. Um, and the fact is, is th- th- that if you need Medicaid, uh, Medicaid is actually designed for middle-class families so that uh, your family does not have to be impoverished in order to receive Medicaid. Now, most people think Medicaid is one big program for poor people, and that's not true. There, there is the largest Medicaid program which is actually designed for folks who are poor, you know, very few assets, very little income, which is the largest Medicaid program, is is not for nursing care. That program is for folks who need to go to the doctor and need to go to the hospital. uh, And they're living at home, but they're poor, you know. And that's where most of the Medicaid dollars go. But seniors who need long-term care don't have to be poor. The the rules are tricky. And so you have to understand how the rules work. And that's why these seminars are so important to folks. But the folks who think you have to be poor if you go to uh, to a nursing home in order to receive Medicaid is just not right. And and there are a bunch of other just total lies, total, uh, you know, people just think it's a different system than what it is that we can talk about and that's what i want to talk about this morning
0: well that's very important to do, Bill, because there is so much misinformation out there or old information that's no longer applicable. And that's why these seminars are so important to attend. If you feel that uh, this is something that's going to apply to you, whether it's now or in the future, uh, it's it's incredible the amount of information that Bill provides. Again, you can go online to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. There you can register for the seminars. It's free to attend. Uh, there's three seminars coming up on Wednesday, October 9th, the 10 a.m. session and the 6.30 p.m. session will be on uh, government assistance and uh, dealing with long-term care crises. And the 2 p.m. session will be dealing on trusts and asset protection. So again, you can register online at wgalaw.com or you can call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we thank you so much for joining us. We are talking all about. Medicaid myths bill and some uh, misinformation that's out there and reasons why folks should be attending your seminars this Wednesday, October 9th. again, we've got two sessions uh, dealing with the long-term care aspect at 10 a.m. and 6:30 p.m. the other at 2 p.m. dealing on trust and asset protection and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show bill but uh, again let's let's get back to some of these lies surrounding Medicaid and myths and why there's so much misinformation out there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, uh, here's another one. You know there are a lot of folks who think, "Oh, if I go on Medicaid, my care in the nursing home won't be as good. I'll get better care if I'm paying the full load, you know, and and the, and that is absolutely false. It is illegal for facilities to differentiate in, in their services of care between a Medicaid patient and a a non-privately paying patient. In fact, uh, the, the staff generally has no clue who's on Medicaid and who's privately paying. Now, the unfortunate truth is that the care level in nursing homes isn't that great, whether you're privately paying or Uh, whether you're on Medicaid, you know, that's, uh, you know, anyone who's ever had a loved one in a nursing home, and I'm talking any nursing home, and your loved one pushes their button for someone to come see about them, they're in most facilities, if not all facilities, they're lucky if somebody shows up at their door within 20 or 30 minutes. And that's really sad, but it's not it has nothing to do with whether or not a person is on Medicaid or whether they're paying seven thousand or eight thousand dollars a month uh, for care. Um, it, it's uh, that's just the sad, sad truth to it. But a, a, a nursing facility does offer a safe environment for not a happy environment, but a safe environment for those who really have no other. Uh, choice and no other means uh, other other than uh, a nursing facility. And and now, here's the thing. For those folks who have preserved resources and their own Medicaid, their cost of care is far, far less. And it is affordable if you're on Medicaid because the maximum amount that you will pay for care is what the institutionalized person's monthly income is less certain deductions. And so, in essence, if all you're paying is from your income, that means your assets, what you've preserved, is still available. And so, those families who have had Medicaid planning and have preserved assets actually have the advantage that they can afford supplemental care. So, if if the spouse or the children can't be there all the time to take care and dote on the patient, then the families who've done planning can actually afford to supplement that care with private duty sitters and uh, independent life care managers and other people who can actually uh, assist in many, many different ways. And so um, it's... um, the fact of the matter is those folks who've actually done Medicaid planning and have preserved resources uh, are really have a leg up uh, on those who are uh, struggling with private pay. Or the worst situation is you've been privately paying for two or three years or less, and now you're out of money. And so you go on Medicaid because you don't have anything left, and then there's not anything to supplement your care. So, you know, those folks are in the worst of, of the situation, and it's not because they're on Medicaid. It's because they have no money. Um, and it's, it's really sad uh, when you see situations like that. I can't tell you how many families have come to me over the years and say, well, golly day, I wish I'd known that, and I wish we had come to see you two or three years ago as opposed to coming to see us, you know, when there's only a few thousand dollars left um, and and when you're making the assumption, oh, we're eligible now. And of course, there are an awful lot of folks who who push the myth that you have to be poor. If you you get your advice from the Department of Social Services, they're going to basically tell you to spend all your money and then come back and apply for Medicaid. If you're taking your advice from the nursing home administrator, guess what? They're going to tell you to Pay, privately pay until you don't have anything left and then, then you can have that medicaid bed but guess what they make a whole lot more money if you're privately paying than if you're on medicaid and of course one of the other issues um for families is is the fact is there a medicaid bed available uh well that is an issue however what most folks don't realize is uh, I, i'm not aware of any nursing home that doesn't offer Medicaid beds. Some offer far more than others. Some, every bed in the facility is a Medicaid licensed bed so that anyone who needs Medicaid in that facility can go on Medicaid. Others, half their beds are, I would say that most of the facilities I see that at least half their beds are Medicaid beds and they have to be. And if you get if you get out of this area and, and you're going to a more rural area, uh, in those areas every bed's got to be a Medicaid bed because there's very few families that can actually pour, afford private pay. In, 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 you know, once you get out in, into more rural communities, um, so there are a lot of issues when it comes. That's why people need to understand. You know, the fact is you don't know what you don't know, and if you And you can't get this information from a book. You can't get it from a magazine. The only way you're going to get accurate information is to come to the seminar. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's a
0: wonderful way. And, Bill, uh, you're a three-time Elder Law Attorney of the Year here in North Carolina. And as folks who've listened to the show know, you have a way of – Explaining some very complicated subjects in a way that's easy to understand. So, if anyone's dealing with this, please uh, register for one of the seminars. Again, go online to wgalaw.com. That's the website. Click on the seminars button, and there you can register for any of the Wednesday, October 9th sessions. Or if you wanted to register one for uh, the November seminars or December, those are open as well. Again, wgalaw.com or call the office 919. 919- 256 7000 919 256 7000 We're taking a quick break but we'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander, and he's on a roll right now, Bill, so we, we got to keep you going here. We're <laughs> talking about just how complicated Medicaid can be and why it's so important for everyone uh, who's dealing with a long-term care situation to get more information. Attend one of Bill's seminars. Again, three sessions this Wednesday, October 9th. Go to WGALaw.com to find information. Bill, I'm handing it off back to you.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I mentioned early is the fact that Medicaid is not one program. It's a bunch of different programs. And one of the things that confuses people, one of the things that make uh, Medicaid a very complex subject is the fact that there are different rules that apply depending on what level of care Uh, of services that you need. And in other words, there are what's called Medicaid waiver programs, uh, which we cover all of these in in the uh, seminar. Uh, One's called PACE. Uh, That is a program for folks who uh, appear to need a nursing care, but they have a safety program at home. Uh, And so that's a managed care program, but it's geographically based, so if you live in the right place, you, you, it's a program that's available to you. And if you live in the wrong place, it's not available to you. And unfortunately, the legislature – and I'm talking about the North Carolina legislature uh, – has uh, limited the expansion of these programs. So if you live in uh, you know, Wake County or Durham County or uh, Chatham County or Orange County – then uh, the PACE program is one that is available. The rules are a little different from nursing care Medicaid, and it's a managed care program, which is also very different. Uh, But if you live in Johnston County or Franklin County, um, uh, there is not a program, or if you're in Nash County or Wilson County, there's not a program that's available to you in those counties. And unfortunately, until the legislature actually expands this this managed care program, and and the irony is, the legislature is saying they like managed care, but they've actually limited this program. It's a very successful program for those folks who who live in the right place. Uh, Eastern North Carolina is actually where um, they're out of luck. There is there is only one pace program east of I ninety five, and that's in Wilmington. Wilmington was the very first. PACE program in the state and then it's expanded in in most of the urban areas of North Carolina but there's not any program other than Wilmington that's east of of 95. Uh, Very sad. Um, I, I mean truth is that it's a program that should be available in every county in this state. It's just not fair that some citizens get it and other citizens do not. But the most confusing program is not that. It has to do with a program that is uh, for anyone who needs assisted living because Medicaid does not pay for assisted living. Now, people will call – there is a program, and people will call it Medicaid, which is incorrect. Uh, It's actually a state program called Special Assistance Um, And everybody calls it Medicaid. So do you think you might get confused when the special assistance rules are completely different from the Medicaid rules? Uh, Now, assisted living. Sometimes there are folks who just don't know the difference between nursing care and assisted living. And assisted living is sometimes called professionally custodial care or domiciliary care. So those are interchangeable. There are a lot of folks who believe wrongly that most dementia care units are actually a higher level of care, nursing care level. They're not. They can be, but that's rare. In other words, um, dementia care, sometimes they're called Alzheimer's units, special care units. They're basically double lockdown units. Not every assisted living facility has a dementia care unit. But many do. But the the fact is, is that most, in fact, almost all, probably 95% of dementia care is handled at the assisted living level. Now, if you were listening a few minutes ago, I said, what? Medicaid does not pay for assisted living. So, But there is a program that does, and it's special assistance. And so those folks who call it Medicaid are just making it more difficult. Now, there, there is a good reason why people call it Medicaid. When you apply for special assistance, you apply for it on the Medicaid application in the Medicaid office, which is actually the adult services division of the Department of Social Services in the county in which you live. That's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the point is that no matter what you call it, the rules are different, and it's, um, it can be easier or far more difficult to be eligible for special assistance. Well, it's really important for families to know whether, whether or not they even have the possibility of eligibility for the special assistance program. You know, assisted living's not cheap either. It's, it's typically less expensive than nursing care, but it can be just as expensive as nursing care, or pretty close to it, particularly if you're in a dementia care unit. Um, you know, uh, the the typical cost of assisted living is, it by itself is more than what most people uh, can afford. It it on the low end, uh, and I'm just going to use some round numbers. It starts in most facilities at around thirty-five hundred dollars. Many facilities start at forty-five hundred dollars, and so um, it. And then, if you're in dementia care, it can easily go to fifty-five or sixty-five hundred dollars. and And of course, this area, Raleigh-Durham, has a lot of options because there are um, a lot more folks that have money and they can pay, pay for more uh, elaborate care or at least nicer surroundings, if you will, uh, that tend to be expensive. And, um, you know, from my perspective, it's really not, should not be about whether there's nice carpeting and chandeliers because that's really more for family members than the patients. The real key is, is the care level good? I mean, you know, and and that really depends mostly on two things, management, good management, and turnover. If you have, um, if you, if you have folks uh, where the manager is not turning over and the employees are happy because all of them are fairly low-wage employees, typically they're, if they're happy uh, with uh, their employment, they're going to be better employees and give a higher level uh, uh, care to the patients. Uh, it's real difficult to be caring when uh, you don't feel like you're cared for by management and your employment situation is tenuous or your working conditions are poor or whatever. So it's to me, it's a matter of looking at management. And that's not hard because all of them have books that they have to keep that are public that you can see uh, in terms of their staffing ratios and turnover ratios uh, and the like. And, and that's a really, uh, smart thing to look at when you're looking at facilities as opposed to just, Oh, this is a beautiful place. I mean, okay. That means it's expensive.
0: <laughs> that's about all you've deduced with, uh, with that observation. Uh, Bill, a quick question before we take a break here, you mentioned how, uh, just confusing. This can be the program is special assistance, but you fill out a Medicaid form and the Medicaid section of the office. Is, is this intentional?
1: Uh, well, not really. It's it's just that the, the you have to understand that that uh, Medicaid and all of these different programs, when it comes to receiving this, it, it's adversarial. I mean, it's it's sort of like is there a way we can deny your application? And so it's it's not like they're. Tr- the county is trying to help you get Medicaid in 99% of the the the, the cases, um, so uh, it's it's not like they're going to tell you what the rules are or tell you how to to um, to navigate the rules. And and that's and it is confusing, and that's one reason we stay busy at WG Alexander and Associate is because we've been navigating these rules for many, many years and have helped thousands of families over the years. Uh, and it it makes a difference to have somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to navigating these rules. But it's also important for folks to know that Uh, Even if they're not in crisis where you don't need an attorney, uh, seniors need to have documents that are different from uh, younger younger people because if you can't make these decisions on your own, which a lot of seniors can't after a period of time, having the right documents prepared by an elder law attorney – makes all the difference in terms of your ability to get benefits quickly or uh, be put off.
0: Yeah, you don't want anything gumming up the works if a long-term mm-hmm. care crisis arises. If you want to attend one of Bill's seminars this Wednesday, October 9th, head over to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button, and you can register for free. Again, you can also call the office, 919-256-7000, 256 seven thousand a quick break and back with more you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we are talking about Medicaid and the many myths that surround it and why this is uh, such a complicated subject, Bill. And uh, I know you've got a couple more thoughts on that, and then we're going to move over to trusts once we complete that.
1: Exactly. Well, here's another issue uh, people have heard that there is a five-year look back for Medicaid. And so there are a lot of folks, including some lawyers, who are basically telling folks, well, the only way to get qualified for Medicaid is if you give everything away five years before you need it. Now, how silly is that? That is absolutely nuts from my own perspective. Because number one, you never know when you're gonna need it or if you're gonna ever need it and you hope you never do. And so, um, the, the, yes, there is a five-year look back for transfers to your children or grandchildren. In other words, if you're gifting property away, if you're transferring away, yes, there is a sanction if you apply for um, Medicaid within five years. However, you do not have to give everything away five years before you apply, and, and you know, most parents uh, and grandparents are generous to their children and grandchildren. And in most of our applications, we have to figure out a way to undo the, thing, the, the gifts that they've made to children and grandchildren uh, in the previous five years. But the five years is not an impediment to our getting people qualified for Medicaid in most cases. It's it's a rare case indeed where we even worry about the five-year. I mean, we have to do our planning so that, uh, that we don't violate the five-year rule, but there are lots and lots and lots of options for families to be, get on Medicaid very, very quickly with the right advice, thinking that you have to uh, uh, spend down... Uh, and to uh, do it five years before you ever might need care in a nursing home is just absolutely crazy and nuts and wrongheaded and false and a lie. And there are just so many options that that uh, people have. Uh, and, and of course, just to confuse you one more, we just talked about the Special Assistance Program for Assisted Living. It doesn't have a five-year look-back. It has a three-year look-back. And how the look-back period is and gifts or sanctions are applied to special assistance is completely different from Medicaid. So, again, it is confusing. It is complex. And it's the it's the reason that families really need co- to come to the seminar to get a better handle on how these rules work and be able to to segregate the bad information from what's accurate because you're just not going to get it on the, on the street, and there, there are very few professionals who can – give you this kind of accurate information. And that's what families need to be able to make decisions. Um, You know, it's, it's the kind of thing where if you don't have long-term care insurance and, and it's long-term care insurance is even harder and harder to get uh, and more expensive for folks. So less folks can even afford it. So these programs are really important to most families out there. And if, if folks are in the middle class, They have some money. They have a home. They have a farm they're trying to preserve. Uh, There are lots of ways of doing that. One last thing about Medicaid that folks need to understand. If you have – I mean, there are two parts to Medicaid. One is eligibility, you know, getting eligible where Medicaid pays the bills. And the second is protecting your assets if you're on Medicaid. And there are lots of options to do that. But there's one mistake that families make when it comes to asset protection when you're on Medicaid, and that is waiting until a person dies before they go see the attorney about protecting assets. That does not work. You do your asset protection planning either before you go on Medicaid or while you're on Medicaid, and there are lots of legitimate methods, legal, honorable uh, ways to protect your assets uh, if you need Medicaid, but it is a it is an issue that must be cared uh, and taken care of while you're alive, uh, and that is important. Now, there are some exceptions where you can do it uh, at death, but those are very, very difficult to manage, and it needs to be done while the person is alive. So, it, you either do it before you go on Medicaid or while you're on Medicaid, but it's uh, it's important to protect your home. It's important to protect any other assets that you might have preserved before you went on Medicaid.
0: Yeah, after the fact is way too late. So, again, if you're in the uh, the early stages of this, get a hold of Bill. Attend the seminar. Go to WGALaw.com and register for free or call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand. The long-term care sessions are at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, October 9th, but at 2 p.m., Bill, we're going to be talking about trust and asset
1: protection. Exactly, because there are lots of folks uh, out there uh, who are well-to-do or they have long-term care insurance in place, and they're more concerned about, okay, how do we uh, manage our state and leave a legacy to our children and grandchildren. Uh, how do we protect what we have? And asset protection is is something that is important for those families who go on Medicaid, but it's also important to all of us. And and so, um, I want to be able to talk about how trusts work because most uh, most folks who are not lawyers and didn't go to to school to learn about trust, they don't even know what a trust is or how it works, uh, and that's unfortunate because we want to teach folks how they work and what a friend they can be, in terms of good planning. You know, if you create a good revocable trust, you can do your own disability planning. So if you uh, and when when you have a trust your trustee has a fiduciary duty to carry out your wishes that's one of the differences between a trust and just appointing someone as your agent under a power of attorney when you appoint an agent under a power of attorney you're not giving them instructions they they do have a fiduciary duty as your agent to do what you would do or do what's in your best interest but they may not have a clue what that really means, or they may be more concerned about themselves and their inheritance uh, or what's left after you're gone than they are about how uh, wonderful a level of care you're receiving. With a trust, your trustee does have a fiduciary duty to carry out your specific instructions. So I love doing disability planning in trust because most of my clients – They want to stay at home, and they even if it costs a whole lot more money and it's okay so the kids don't get quite as much in terms of their inheritance because you're uh, staying at home, you're having round-the-clock care if needed, you have the diet you want, you have the instructions you want, you have uh, care managers to making sure that things are right for you. Uh, You're basically uh, having instructions about making sure that you get to do the things that you can still do that you enjoy, whether it's to go to church or your bridge club or your book club or your uh, garden club or, or go to the games or whatever it is that's important to you you can put that in a disability plan. And with a trust, you can protect your spouse with an asset protection plan. You can protect your children from the remarriage of your spouse after you die. You can protect your children in terms of a trust for them after both you and your spouse are gone, and you can protect your grandchildren as well. So there's so many opportunities with trust-based planning that for many families, a trust is a wonderful option.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful to know, and that you can get that help in having someone who can do that for you. A trusted elder law attorney is always great to have, Bill.
1: Well, do I have a little bit of time to you've talk got, about... you got a couple more minutes here. Oh, yep. good, because... Uh, One of the things that I want to focus on my two o'clock seminar is not just how trusts work and some of the advantages that that it can uh, uh, create for families, but asset protection and how that fits in as well. Because there are an awful lot of folks that say, okay, uh, I'm looking at some of the foundation blocks that you've talked about before, and I've got a good liability insurance policy. And of course, that is a foundation block. And then, there's, the next level is having a limited liability company or a corporation to protect any kind of, of resources that um, uh, go beyond your personal residence. You can you can use uh, a business entity. But a lot of folks don't realize that uh, it just because you have a corporation or an LLC does not necessarily mean that those assets are protected because, If you create a business entity, you have to operate whatever it is that you're doing as a business entity. I mean, if you're creating an LLC and then using that – LLC means limited liability company. And if you're using the money from your LLC account to go to the grocery store to buy your groceries, that's not operating like a business. If you have a corporation and you're not keeping your corporate book up, which is a big issue for small business people, they don't have an annual shareholders meeting. They don't have an annual election of officers. They don't have a board of directors that uh, basically uh, manages uh, the big issues that uh, arise with a, a company, and you don't memorialize it in your corporate book, well, guess what? then a, a fancy lawyer can pierce that corporate veil and sue you personally uh, as, as it relates to that. There are fewer issues with limited liability companies, but uh, but you can still have issues with companies where uh, a fancy lawyer, again, can pierce the limited liability company as your alter ego. That's one of the biggest ways that, that that's done. So part of asset protection planning is understanding how to operate and then operating in that in that fashion uh for those resources um and you also have to understand uh another big issue is and that is because number 1 you want to avoid lawsuits but you also have to understand how a lawsuit might affect you personally you know if if you have an LLC in a corporation and somebody else, like an employee, creates a problem because life's full of problems. You know, we make mistakes, the accidents occur, and, and that's a normal thing in life. Well, the bottom line is if an employee of your corporation or LLC does it and, you, and the corporation gets sued... Um that's an out, what I call an outside creditor. Well, the bottom line is, is that you're not going to be personally, if you're the owner of the company, you're not going to be personally liable uh, for that mistake or accident. And, and that's really important. However, if you're the culprit, in other words, you made the mistake or you had the accident, then you might be personally liable. And so you have to understand the differences. Uh, just because you have a corporation or an LLC doesn't necessarily mean that you're protected personally. And, and so it's important for folks to have an understanding of how these things work. It's, again, it's not necessarily simple. It can be complex. But the more you know, the better off you are in terms of, of acting accordingly.
0: Yeah, if you're dealing with a similar situation, you probably want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can do that online at WGALaw.com or call 919 7000 or if you're thinking of starting a business and you're trying to decide what the heck do I do? Do I start an LLC? Do I need to be a corporation or an S corp? Again, schedule an appointment with Bill. 919-256-7000. We got to take a quick break. Back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you're interested in finding out more about the myths of Medicaid and how special assistance and these other programs can help you out with a long term care crisis. Attend one of Wednesday's seminars. That's Wednesday, October 9th. Bill has a 10 a.m. session and a 6.30 p.m. session that focus all on long-term care. And the 2 p.m. session is all on trust and asset protection. You can learn more at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Or call Bill's office, 919-256-7000. All seminars are free to attend, 919 two five six seven thousand. We're out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next Saturday at eleven for asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.